This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. You know. Here we are, man, rolling into episode 25. Joined, as always, with me, my buddy Chris. What's going on, man? Cody, how you doing, man? Raider Nation, what's going on? Excited to dive into some more Raider football this week, dude. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Real quick, on a side note, congrats to you, Chris, joining up uh, with RaidersBeat.com. You know, we've already been a little bit partnered up with him on the podcast, uh, but you're putting that good writing talent to work for him, and I can't wait to see some of the articles you write, man. Hey, so appreciate it, Cody. I'm so glad to be part of the, the team, the family we got going on, and I just love talking Raiders football, and so obviously the podcast, I get to do it with you, and then uh, if you want to hear some more of my trash opinion, you can read some of my articles sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, good stuff. In this episode, we're going to start kind of breaking it up. We're not going to keep uh, going full-blown into the draft, so if you missed last week's episode, I suggest you catch up now. We kind of hit a little bit on each draft prospect and a little bit on the undrafted free agents. Uh, So now we're going to break it down a little bit, and we're getting back to what we did before the draft and before free agency, and we're breaking down uh, some of our position groups. This week, we're going to do a little bit of tight end. So like I said, if you missed last week's and you want to hear about the draft prospects, backtrack a little bit. But besides that, Chris, there's a lot of stuff happened this week at the Raiders headquarters, and we got a lot of new players that came in, and they're starting to figure things out. And I want to start talking this uh, or breaking this thing down and figuring out what we got to do uh, for this 90-man roster, man. You ready? I'm ready, dude. It's always an exciting week with the Raiders, whether you got people coming in, people leaving, always something dramatic going on. So let's let's dive into it, bro. On Sunday, former Raiders legend Sebastian Janikowski has announced his retirement. After 18 seasons and 436 field goals made, Seabass has hung them up. On Tuesday, the Raiders waived five players, wide receiver DeMornay Pearsonell, Offensive lineman Cameron Hunt, wide receiver Rashard Davis, linebacker Kaysen Collins, and running back James Butler. On Wednesday, it was reported that recently signed running back Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles during a team workout. He'll be having season-ending surgery this week. Also keep in mind, he only signed a one-year contract with us. He'll be an unrestricted free agent again next offseason. As a response to that, the Raiders announced that they are bringing back running back Doug Barton, who started nine games for the Raiders in 2018. Also that same day, despite reports last week that he's expected to retire, 
Marshawn Lynch is reportedly open to a return if the Raiders are interested. The Raiders also announced that they released blocking tight end Lee Smith. We started signing rookies to their contracts. Fourth round tight end Foster Morrow, seventh round defensive end Quentin Bell, fifth round wide receiver Hunter Renfro, fourth round cornerback Isaiah Johnson, and fourth round defensive end Max Crosby round out the first five rookies signed to their rookie contracts. The Raiders are not picking up Carl Joseph's fifth year option. The 25-year-old safety could have a chance to hit the free agent market in 2020. Man, there's been wild rumors swirling Carl Joseph for a while, whether it's trades, whether it's this fifth-year option. Uh, that could be a tough one for us, Chris. What do you think about it, man? It's probably the bias in me. I really like Carl Joseph. I'm yeah. always going to pull for him to try to find a role. I hope this season he can ball out and prove that you know he's going to be a Raider going forward and have him bring him back. But I think it's it's a big time for Carl Joseph. He has to show this coaching staff that they can't let his talent go. And then also, you know, even beyond the Raiders, he needs to show other teams that he's worthy of a starting position of some decent money. So it's a big time contract year for him. Uh, I'm pulling for him to stay as a Raider, but I understand that, it, you know, when you look at this in all reality, it's kind of leaning towards, you know, probably his last year as an Oakland Raider. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you there. I really like Carl. I wish something could, could happen. Of course, I have a Carl Joseph jersey. Uh, my wife doesn't own it, so it's not a guaranteed cut. But uh, oh, right <laughs> but I tell you, with, with Carl, or if I'm trying to think from the Raiders' perspective, um, it, you know, if we're not going to extend him, hopefully we get a trade out of him uh, sooner rather than later before his value keeps dropping. So uh, that's definitely something that I'm going to be tracking. And uh, hopefully it's not just a complete waste, man. I really like Carl. Um, I don't want to see something come through that's going to disappoint me, man. Same, man. I know. You know, and obviously the fifth-year option, they were looking at about $6.5 million in 2020. Clearly, they're just – they don't want to commit to that number. And obviously, uh, you know, they could have still rescinded it later, right? It was more like an injury guarantee. But mm -hmm. they don't want him to get injured, and then they're responsible for that yeah. next year. They, they want to put him in a position where it's make or break, and that's where he's at. So you know, I'm pulling for him to ball out, man. And just because they drafted Abram doesn't mean he can't find a role that they'll like and they want to keep him later. But yeah, the time is now for him to get it done with this staff. Cool deal, Chris. But guess what, man? We got another special guest this week, Hayden Nadani from Silver and Black today. He's sitting behind the scenes ready to go. So you ready to get him a phone call and uh, see what he has to say? Let's do it. Let's give him a buzz, bro. So we have a special guest on the phone, Hayden Nadalny, the senior NFL writer for Silver and Black today, coming out of Australia, man, Raider Nation representing way down there in the Southern Hemisphere. How you doing, man? Yeah, very well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, not a problem. Um, I w wanted to ask you, this is something I've been asking kind of all of our guests, real reoccurring, I guess, over here. Uh, how do you feel that John and Mike did setting this team up for future roster moves, whether that's the draft, whether that's cap space, whether that's anything moving forward pre-draft, how do you think they did? Well, I, they couldn't have really done much better. They had a clear plan outlaid from day one, and that was something that was readily apparent yeah. right from the get-go. And the Antonio Brown trade sort of threw a bit of a spanner in the works, but you got to give Mayock credit for getting extreme value of paying just a third and a fifth round pick. And yeah. if you look at that in the big picture – um, if the plan is to, let's say, contend in 12 months' time when they go to Vegas, you're going to need a player like AB in 12 months' time anyway. So why not trade for him now 
when yeah. you're going to be needing that type of player next year if you plan on contending in 2020 anyway. Um, if we look at free agency, Trent Brown and Tyrell Williams, they're going to be impact starters week one of the season. You've got Trent yeah. Brown at right tackle. Tyrell Williams is going to be a really solid number two. And I personally think Brown was a touch overpaid, but then again, it is free agency. You get what yeah. you um, it's all market value there. And if it's a bad deal, they can still get out of it at the end of the 2020 season. So they've got a lot of flexibility with all of their free agency signings. The one that I really don't understand is the signing of um, safety, LaMarcus Joyner. Mm. Now, there's a lot of reporting saying he's going to potentially line up um, as a slot corner when they go into the nickel and dime packages. Mm-hmm. But he's only played, per pro football focus, he's only been in the slot 178 snaps over the last two seasons. Mm. He, the majority of his season has been spent back um, as a deep safety. The first two seasons that he was in the league, he was in the slot, but it was only once he moved back um, to free safety that when he really his production really improved. Um, it's a big gamble if they think that they're going to be able to put him in the slot full-time as widely reported. If we look at some of the trades that Mayock also did, um, he offloaded Kalecio Semeli, um, both clearing out over $10 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. But... They shrewdly moved up 56 spots in the draft. So they, they traded pick 90, uh, 196 with Osemele and they ended up getting pick 140. So they got immense value there for a player who was going to be released anyway. And the Raiders didn't use pick 140 in the end, but what they did is they were able to trade up and they took Foster Moreau late in the fourth round and they were also able to take Hunter Renfro in the fifth. So I think overall looking at the um, complete body of work, uh, Mayock and Gruden had a really smooth offseason. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I like your comment too on LaMarcus Joyner because there's a lot of question there. Uh, you kind of wonder, he had a, a stellar 2017 season and then they kind of moved him back in 2018. He kind of struggled a little bit, but he said that's kind of where he likes to play anyways is more at free safety more than being a slot corner. So I'm wondering if the Raiders are completely convinced or completely convinced him that that's kind of where he's primarily going to play and what our plan is at that point uh, for free safety or however that fits into Gunther's scheme. Uh, but jumping from that, going into the draft, uh, me personally, I, I can kind of speak for Chris too. We're a little, we're a little too optimistic sometimes on players. Um, I tend to, you know, find the good in every single one of our picks. Um, and I want to see, man, maybe bring us down to earth just a little bit. Um, were there any selections that you're not very high on, and why? Okay, so I'll name my my top two iffy iffy draft picks, and number one would have to be Jonathan Abram. Okay. And it's the knock on him is that he's below average in coverage. And given Gunther's scheme relies on having a lot of two man um, two deep man sets, um, that can potentially be a problem. In addition to that, he's a very similar type of player in Carl Joseph. The only really major difference is that Abram has a lot more size to him. So. I feel like they could have potentially gotten a bit more value. I'm not sure of the schematic fit. That's It's a real wait and see. Gunther has spoken quite elusive in his praise of Abram, thinks he's going to be a real tone setter and thinks he can, thinks he can cover guys pretty well. I'll be interested to see how he goes covering tight ends, um, given that you've got the AFC West where they've mm-hmm. now got Noah Fant. You've also got Hunter Henry. And you've also got Travis Kelsey, so yeah, need they, they need to be able to they need to cover tight ends. Um, the second the second guy that I have question marks on is Trayvon Mullen, and it's not so much that um, 
I, I doubt him as a prospect. It's more a case of he was just so untested at Clemson. He really got mm. the Nambi Asamoah treatment in that teams were just refusing to throw at him. And my, my other knock on him is that he's a little bit He's a little bit raw. His instincts are average, and I'm not entirely sure where he's going to fit in terms of Gunther's scheme. So the question mark I have is, is he going to start over Daryl Worley? And then potentially if he plays in the nickel, does that push Conley into the slot? And then potentially what does this mean about their plans for moving Glamarcus Joyner into the slot when they go into sub packages? So there's a lot of competition going in the DB room. It's very much evident that we need, like the Raiders are going to need um, competition at those spots because mm-hmm. we saw at the end of last year, um, the DB room was completely empty. There were so many players that were injured and you really do need depth at that position. So I can understand the pick. I'm just not sure how he's going to fit into the grand scheme of things. I agree. It's kind of hard to fit him in. We were playing almost musical chairs last year with our defensive backs and I thought we finally kind of cleared that up settling you know of course uh Rashawn Melvin moving on thought we were kind of settled with Connolly and Worley weren't going to take an early round corner and then it happened so I kind of feel like we're back into the mix of things looking for that 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 duo or trio right there in the secondary Chris what do you think about those guys well first of all Hayden uh thanks for coming on the show man appreciate you again uh yeah as far as Jonathan Abram I'll hit the first one uh you know when I when they first picked him what did I do I, I looked at some of his profiles I remember some of the games that I watched and, you know, man, the coverage part came up. But then I started really diving into the film. And actually, there's a lot of examples where I felt like his coverage was pretty decent. I thought he had decent technique. He's obviously an athlete. He's got range. He can get all over the field. Uh, he plays like a bat out of hell. I used that last week when we talked about him. But I felt like his coverage was okay. Um, and that was some of those situations were against slot wide receivers. So I feel like it's not necessarily a strength at this point, but I think there's potential there. And he did show enough to where I wouldn't say it's necessarily a big liability. As far as uh, Trayvon Mullen, uh, you know, he's long, right? There is a lot of upside there. There's a lot of corners that were available in that 35, 38, 40 spot where they traded back a couple times. And they must really like him. And you look at the situation with Daryl Worley over there. I feel like it's going to be a heck of a competition as to who's going to start. I feel like Conley's going to stay outside. They're going to look at Mullen and Worley, and they're going to let them fight it out for the CB2 spot. I don't feel like either one of them um, will come into the nickel situation. I feel like that's going to be more of a a LaMarcus Joyner. And then how far has Nick Nelson progressed? Will he be able Mm -hmm. to kind of step in there in situations where you have Joyner, you know, out back in the back end at free safety? Um, They also have Eric Harris. He has some range, showed some things last year. So it's certainly going to get interesting uh, with the secondary. And obviously we have the big Carl Joseph situation. Where is he going to fit in? Will he be here? Um, Will he be impactful um, along with uh, Jonathan Abrams? So I'm excited for training camp. I feel like the competition is going to be pretty intense uh, on the back end for the Raiders. Yeah. Nick Nelson was one of the first names that popped in my head during a free agency with Joyner, of course, and then our heavy draft. Cause I just kind of felt like maybe did we lose all hope in Nick Nelson? Maybe he still battles out a chance. Uh, maybe just a depth guy. Maybe he's a special teamer and has to earn his role back. It's not going to be handed to him. Like we almost did last year, of course. Um, now let's kind of let's jump back into the fun things here, Hayden. Um, what were your favorite picks, man? Who did you love? Okay, so I've got two that I absolutely loved, and the top my favorite player this draft was getting Hunter Renfro, and okay, fifth fifth round pick, and I had a higher grade on him. I think he is immense value for what you're going to be getting. 
despite his like he's a very small um, frame type of player, but he has an amazing catch radius, and that yeah. makes it so much easier for your quarterback, being Derek Carr, to be able to throw it to him, especially in the slot where the ball can be coming out hot. It's not always going to be a perfect throw, but he's going to be able to make the catch. He's got great hands. And if we look at his production at Clemson, he stood up in the big games. So you've got a guy there that you know that when it's going to come down to the crunch, he's going to be a really good target, especially when Antonio Brown's going to be getting double covered and Hunter Renfro is going to be in the slot. It really would not surprise me if he catches at least 60 passes this year from the slot in 2019. I would love that. uh, it, It really wouldn't surprise me one bit. And, at the end of the day, the way I look at some a lot of like mid to late round picks, I look at them and I I say, would someone like Bill Belichick take them on the Patriots? Would he be able mm-hmm. to fit them in the Patriots? And you look at a guy like Hunter Renfro, and he is your classic Patriot type pick. Yeah, he he fit he fits that Patriot system to a T, and that's exactly what John Gruden is trying to build. He is he has said it multiple times that he is trying to create a system like the Patriots, in which they are multiple, they are versatile, and they can beat you in a multitude of ways every Sunday. And Hunter Renfro is just a guy that absolutely fits what the Raiders are trying to do going forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, if we look at my second favorite player, it's running back Josh Jacobs, and yeah. A lot of people are a little bit confused as to why Jacobs was a first-round pick because a lot of people think, well, why why should you draft a running back in the in the first round? But there's a lot of people also that rated him as a top ten talent and mm-hmm. only said, oh, well, he shouldn't have been drafted in the first round because you don't get value taking a running back mm-hmm. in in round one. Well. You look at a guy like Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley, those yeah. are three of the top former first-round running backs. And if Jacobs can even come close to matching that production, getting that at pick 24, that's a heck of a bargain. And he's got so he's got a lot less tread on his tires. He hasn't really been used much at Alabama, yeah. but John Gruden is going to run him into the ground. He's going to get the Le'Veon Bell treatment. And... I really see him as potentially even being a first-round running back in fantasy this year. He's going to be an absolute <laughs> stud, and Gruden is going to lean on him a heck of a lot. I'll be looking for him, man. Uh, if he falls into the second, man, I'm snatching him out in my fantasy football leagues, no doubt, dude, no doubt. But uh, besides that, of course, the controversial pick at number four, Cleland Farrell. Uh, do you have an opinion on Cleland? How do you feel about the Raiders taking him that early? Well, when it happened, I was a little bit surprised. I heard back in January from a good, a good, a few good sources that had the draft been back in January, he was going to be the pick. And I sort of thought, yeah, okay. And it's only the last, the last few months leading into the draft, there wasn't a whole lot of talk on Farrell, and mm-hmm. he sort of dropped in the eyes of um, a few mock drafts that had him yeah. going in the mid to late teens. So I sort of didn't really focus too much on it. And then when it came out, I went back and looked through my messages, and I was like, "Geez, I really should have looked at, done a bit more homework on this." But <laughs> going back, uh, I was reading an article in the Athletic by Jay Glazer, and he was saying that. Of all the players in the draft, there were two guys that scouts believed would be cornerstone lock for 10-year careers. And one of those players was Cleveland Farrell. And he might not be like the sexy pick of the draft, but he has got such a high floor and you know that you're going to get a minimum of like seven to eight sacks per season with the potential of being a double-digit guy if he works on a few things. Mm -hmm. Now, 
it, it's not something that's going to be winning defensive player of the year like a Khalil Mack, but he's going to be an extremely solid player that fits Paul Gunther's scheme to a T. And realistically, it, it was probably the best pick if you look at it like that, because if you look at the alternatives, you've got someone like, let's say, Ed Oliver, who they've already got Maurice Hurst, they've already invested in PJ Hall, they've got Jonathan Hankins and Justin Ellis also manning the middle there. So if you're going to take Ed Oliver, um, you sort of got a log jam at that position. Then you could potentially move Oliver outside to defensive end and ask him to play a position he's never really done in mm-hmm. his career, which doesn't really make sense for a number four pick. Yeah. And the other guy that they could have picked was Josh Allen. And Allen's a finesse rusher who I'm not convinced that he can play with his hand in the dirt on every down. And he's a rawer prospect than Farrell is. And that's not really what the Raiders need going forward. Yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely kind of been the all-around uh, safest pick. That's what everyone's been able to agree on. But then you get to see these post-game interviews. You get to see him actually be, uh, you know, let his character out uh, out there for Raider Nation to see. And, and you see why they drafted him. You see the things that, that John and Mike talked to him about. You see the characteristics. You see the intangibles. You see that he's a leader and he's going to go out there and he's going to work hard. Um, so for the most part, Cleland all around has won us over. I'm glad he's won you over too. But I have one last topic here for you, Hayden. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but you're on the Raider Cody podcast, a.k.a. the Derek Carr Stand Club. So, <laughs> and I noticed, I noticed uh, you've had, you had a couple tweets leading up to the draft that caught my eye. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read them off specifically, but I want to know, has your stance changed on Derek Carr and are you riding with our quarterback going into the 2019 season? Oh, you have to ride with him this season because they don't okay. have anyone better. That they don't have they don't have anyone better on the roster. So you have to have to ride 2019 with Derek Carr. And if you look at the last few years, it's or especially the last 12 months, I'll say it's really hard to judge Derek Carr based on the turnover at the skill positions, along mm-hmm. with that porous O line that was last year was just decimated by injuries. In a vacuum, after reviewing the um, 2018 season, I thought he made far too many errors that led to turnovers. So they were able to move the ball quite frequently with a lot of ease, but as soon as they would get into the red zone on a few crucial third down plays, he made too many errors. And he sort of got better as the season went on. He had that 10-game stretch in which he didn't throw a pick, but... During that stretch, I went back last month and watched the rest of those games in full, and he had at least half a dozen, maybe even more throws in that time that were just blatant miscues that were were easy interceptions that were dropped. I'm talking no no offensive player within three yards of the of the defender, and it hit him stonewall in the hands, and the guy just dropped it. So the, the jury is still out on Derek Carr. Can he get back to his 2016 form? I think he can. And if he does, the Raiders' rebuild is going to be extremely accelerated from potentially being out of the playoffs as a four-win team last year to they'll be contending for the AFC West if Derek Carr shines going forward. And 2019, no doubt, no matter how you try to spin it, this is a referendum on Derek Carr because the offensive the offensive system that they have in place now He's going to have continuity going into year two of that. And they've had so many skill positions that they've been putting around him. So they added Antonio Brown. They added Tyrell Williams. They've added a guy like Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. JJ, JJ Nelson. They've also added Ryan Grant. 
and they've added Josh Jacobs in the draft. So in addition to that, they've also stabilized their line with Trent Brown. So Carr has no excuses this year. And really, if he has a down year, they'll be firmly in the quarterback market in 2020. And I think if the Raiders are in the quarterback market next year, it's probably a good year for that because they have the multiple first-round picks that are going to allow them to potentially move up the draft if necessary. Um, Of course, you hope that Carr is able to deliver. And look, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a 2016-type year going forward just because this is a guy that you can't write off um, given the circumstances of the past few seasons. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and you bringing up the make-or-break season, uh, to me that's kind of been a, a rhetorical question to me because almost you, you look at a lot of teams going through a rebuild. And Jordy Nelson's, is, you know, he said it a lot in post-game press conferences. There's one thing about the quarterback position. They get too much praise, um, and, and they're going to get too much heat. They're going to get too much blame. There's going to be too much put on him. Uh, which there's no excuse, man. You know what I mean? If he doesn't perform, he doesn't perform. But what we got to look at is when you're looking at those miscues, you're looking at those throws where their wide receiver's not even close to being there. It's not that he has, you know, a bad aim. You know what I mean? It's, you see him when he wants to put the ball somewhere, he puts the ball somewhere. There's obviously a bad connection with this turnover in our wide receiver group. Um, Jordy Nelson, I think, maybe being the most consistent wide receiver, but a guy that couldn't get any separation and for the most part still uh, was under six months of chemistry building with Derek Carr throughout that. And, of course, you see wide receivers come in that could actually make things work, come in and come right out. Martavis Bryant couldn't get the playbook under wraps. He was gone. You see Brandon LaFell come in. He makes a difference. We see some chemistry. Uh, ruptures his Achilles. Um, so, of course, I can sit here all day long and tell you the same excuses that we've heard for Derek Carr. Um, but I feel like there's at some point um, an agreement for all of us where we sit here and we understand that, hey, we got a team now. Let's go out there and let's win some dang football games. And, you know, whenever he – if that time comes to where he does, he isn't that quarterback we think he is, which me and Chris both think he is, if, there, if it comes down to that point to where he's not, then we'll discuss this. Um, but I, I like your take on it. I like that you have – um, a, a real raw opinion on it. Uh, maybe just like I said, you know, we're 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 the we're the captains of the Derek Carr stand club, um, and and we like to see the good in people. And um, to to us, we see it. We see a leader that wants to be a Raider. And I'm glad to hear you. Want, can you tell me one more time that you're riding with Derek Carr in 2019? Yeah, I'm I'm riding with Derek Carr in 2019. That's, that's you can take that to the bank. All right. <laughs> I think everyone here knows how I feel about the situation. You know. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, I, I agree with Hayden on some things. Uh, the Raiders have a ton of talent now. Um, the wide receiver position has been highly upgraded. And, you know, I don't look at it as like no more excuses. I just look at it like finally Derek Carr is going to get a very fair shot. You know, the yeah, only yeah. other time in his entire career where he's been in the same system for two consecutive years was 2015 and 2016, right, with Bill Musgrave. And uh, that he was third in MVP voting that year. Uh, this is his second opportunity to be in the system for back-to-back years uh, with with Gruden. Um, I do see, or I did see last year, the progression he made with understanding the system. Um, you know, I think the, uh, you know, obviously you can point to, you know, situations where there wasn't a good decision made. You know, um, sometimes when we watch film, though, there's not always proper context in there. You know, maybe the receiver was supposed to do something different and the anticipation throw was there and, uh, you know, the receiver just wasn't on cue. Derek Carr's not a guy that's going to go and complain and point the finger. You know, he's just going to take the blame. 
but I'm really excited. He's going to have Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, as we've talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. I believe that they've invested in the offensive line with Trent Brown. The year one to year two jump for Colt Miller is going to be huge. And if they can give Derek Carr time, I have no doubt that he's going to ball out. And, you know, I think he's a good quarterback. And I think he was in the Raiders' plans all along. I understand some people feel differently. They've heard things that the Raiders were thinking about drafting a quarterback. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I think Derek Carr has been their guy the whole time. And I think they know they have a dude that they can win with if they build around him. I feel like they've done it. I have no real – as long as he can stay healthy. That can always ruin a season. We all know about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but hopefully he has a little luck on his side, and uh, you know he can get this team rocking with the talent he has around him. Yeah, I can definitely say we all finally agree that we finally we got a football team, man. We got a team around him, ready to go out there and produce. Hayden, I appreciate you coming on here and giving your time. You obviously were well prepared. Um, I, I loved your opinion on pretty much every topic we talked about. Um, and one thing, man, I, I really like you, so I don't want you to think I was heckling you there on the Derek Carr stuff, man. <laughs> um, whenever this thing turns, whenever the ship sails, man, and everything gets going and we start bringing in some wins, man, don't worry, man. Uh, you, you've always been on board in my book. I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. No, thank you so much for having me on. Have a great day. You too, Hayden. Hey, See you later. Take care, brother. Take care. All right, Chris, that was a pretty dang good interview with Hayden. It seems like the he's following the trend, man. We've had our last few guests have been very well prepared and have given us a lot of info, man. What'd you think? Well, yeah, that's why I wanted to have him on, man. He's a he's a knowledgeable Raider fan. Um, yeah, obviously he's out in Australia and he's still repping the silver and black. So yeah, uh, you got to feel good about that, man. Raider Nation is worldwide, and uh, you know even if we don't agree with all of his opinions, man. I mean, hey, dude, you got to respect him and glad to yeah. have him come on and and uh, speak a little bit about how he felt the Raiders did in the draft and how they felt uh, or how he felt they did uh, with free agency and trades and all that. So it was cool to have him on. Yeah, good stuff. And if you guys appreciated his work, he's very active on Twitter. So make sure you give him a follow at HB Nadalny. That's N-A-D-O-L-N-Y. Coming out of Australia, but he's very active in Raider Nation on Twitter. So yeah, make sure you hit that follow button. But Chris, are you ready? Uh, We got some tight ends to talk about, man. You ready to dive into it? Man, I I born ready to talk about tight ends, dude. They're Gruden grinders. They're a position that our coach loves. So let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. So we broke down position groups when the season ended last year, Chris. But we skipped one position in particular because we wanted to see the result first, um, and that was, of course, tight ends. Where uh, we were waiting on the result of Jared Cook, uh, which we were not very optimistic about. That's kind of why we waited. Um, and of course we wanted to see the counter move, whether that was in free agency or the draft. Um, but before we get into that, let's look at the three tight ends that are still on our roster from last year. First, the most popular, probably still being talked about Darren Waller. Uh, the Georgia tech prospect came out of the 2015 NFL draft class, um, as kind of a Supreme athlete at the tight end position. He was a former wide receiver. In fact, and he wasn't necessarily established as one of the top tight ends, um, but the former Raven sixth-round pick ran a 4-4-6 40-yard dash, man. He found himself on an NFL roster ready to start working his way up the depth charts, but off-the-field issues really hindered his master plan, man. Um, after only starting one game his rookie career, he finished with only two receptions. Um, he was then suspended the first four games of his starting of the starting of his sophomore campaign, and after starting three games and having 10 receptions that season, uh, he was then popped again for substance, substance abuse. I always get tongue twisted on substance. I don't know what it is, but it was marijuana, man, uh, which led him to being suspended the entire 2017 season. And then the Raiders yeah. snagged him off the practice squad 
Um, he didn't have the best season, but I think Darren for Darren, it was a win for him. Uh, just to stay healthy and out of trouble, man. He's a great athlete, no doubt. Um, but I don't think he's anywhere near the ideal starting tight end uh, that most Raider fans think that they're getting. Um, I love him at a limited role. Call his number, let him come in, make a play. Of course, you know, we saw a jet sweep or two from him. But Chris, what do you think about Darren Waller? Well, obviously the athletic portion that you talk about. I mean, he has the tools, the physical tools to be successful as a receiving tight end. And I think there's going to be a role for him. We know that Gruden loves blocking tight ends, right? But he also yeah. has spots in the offense, obviously with Jared Cook, for receiving tight ends. The Raiders are going to have really dangerous wide receivers outside. So I do think that Darren Waller going into this system for the second year now, so he's going to know his way around this offense. And it's going to be crucial for him in training camp and preseason to show that he can excel in a role of a receiving, receiving tight end for this offense. And then come the regular season, we might be able to see him make an impact. Uh, you know, but in terms of, you know, having a ton of snaps, John Gruden likes tight ends that can do both. I think Waller yeah. will be brought in in specific pass situations, stuff like that. And you can't just book him as the tight end one, right, when he doesn't have yeah. the production yet exactly. um, that to show. Even though he's an athlete, he hasn't shown he can go out there and, and be responsible for a ton of snaps throughout an entire season, do all the right things, uh, catch the football in tough situations. We've just seen him catch and run a few times, yeah. right, against the Bengals. He had that little shallow drag where he took it. Uh, you know, I think he had another good catch as well in a, in a similar fashion. But the speed is there. We saw it. Yeah. So it's going to be a big offseason for him to prove that um, he can be consistent, a consistent professional, and take what he's learned from last year and apply it. Yeah, definitely got to keep an eye on. And then we got Derek Carrier, man, the 28-year-old journeyman. He's bounced around the league quite a bit, man. But for those that don't know, um, in 2012, his NFL career technically started in Oakland, man. The Raiders signed him as an undrafted free agent, inked him to a three-year deal in April, uh, but was later released in August before the season began. The Eagles scooped him up, had him on their practice squad. The next year, he was released again. Uh, the, the 49ers picked him up, had him on their practice squad, activated him for the final five, game, for the final five games of that season, uh, inked him to a three-year deal. Then he was to the Redskins. Then he went to the Rams, and then he made his return to Oakland last year on a three-year contract. And it's kind of created a little bit of a, a, a fan's memorable connection. Uh, of course, you know, you got the famous Derek Carr to Derek Carrier connection now, um, which happened to give us the touchdown, if you remember, to beat the Steelers week 14. Right. Uh, I sure hope, um, if you don't remember huge. this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if, if someone listening here doesn't remember that, make sure you rewatch the Steelers game and uh, get to know some of that, some of those players, man, our, our tight ends really came in and made some big plays. Um, but this is another guy just like Darren Waller, Chris. Uh, he has the talent. He has the ability to come on the field and make plays. Um, but I like him still in a limited role. He's not a do-it-all guy or even a guy that should eat up anywhere close to half the offensive snaps. Um, but I really like him. And he'll definitely be in competition to make the 53. Chris, how do you feel about Derek Carrier? I really like him. To be honest, yeah. I don't think he's great at anything, but I think he's good at everything. I think he's a reliable blocker. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's 6'4", 240, right? Um, you know, the Raiders have some tight ends on the roster that are bigger, but I feel like he's a good enough blocker. I think he's a good enough receiver. I think he's a reliable guy. He's a professional, obviously a hard worker uh, from what I've seen. And, you know, I think they can know that they'll have him to execute whatever game plan. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. Obviously, he showed he was clutch last year. That you know, the couple catches in that Steelers game were fantastic. 
But I think he has a really good opportunity if he can show enough to, you know, and obviously they drafted Foster Moreau. We're going to get to him. But Garrett Carrier should have the best opportunity he's ever had to go in a year being a starter. This is yeah, his chance. Yeah. Okay. They did draft Foster. They cut Lee Smith. Darren Waller hasn't had a lot of production and has had some question marks. He needs to put it all together. They obviously brought in Luke Wilson. This is Derek Carrier's big chance. Yeah. So I'm pulling for him to to make an impact and earn a role. Seems like a good dude, and uh, has enough ability to where I would feel I'd feel okay if he if he took over the role if he played well enough in the offseason. Yeah, we don't necessarily need that player that's going to come in and be an absolute playmaker. Uh, we don't need a right. fill, we don't we, we don't need to replace. Jared, everyone thinks that we need to replace Jared Cook. We don't need to replace Jared Cook. We 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 already did with Antonio Brown, Tyro Williams, bringing guys into the slot. They'll make the plays. Now we just need a guy that's that's going to be versatile. And I agree, man. Derek Carrier can be that guy. Dude, great point too on Jared Cook. Everyone kind of and obviously I talked a lot about Noah Fant right throughout the offseason. That didn't happen. Okay, um, you know the Raiders went. You know, actually, he was taken 20th, so he never got to 24, yeah, like yeah. we always talked about. But they're not just going to take a dude like Waller, and they're going to be like, okay, he's going to run all the routes that Jared Cook route ran. They fed the ball to Jared Cook because they didn't have a very good receiving core. And he was he running was wide receiver, receiver routes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was outside one-on-one, right? And, and Derek Carr was like, I'm going to this dude because he's my best option. Yeah. But that's doesn't. we don't need to have a guy that's going to catch 60 passes for six, 700 yep. yards and be the main dude, right? Um, where I actually Cook had like 900 yards last year, something like that. Yeah. Um, they just need a guy when the attention is taken away with all the wide receivers, like a Derek Carrier, Darren Waller, to come in, make some catches, catch and run, block, and be a guy that they don't have to bring in just for running downs or just for passing downs. Gruden wants dudes that can be in no matter what down it is to not give the defense an idea of what they're going to do. So. Uh, kind of like the running back position with Josh Jacobs. You yeah, have a yeah. back now that the defense, it's not like with Doug Martin, it's like, all right, they're probably going to run the ball. With Jalen Richard, oh, they're probably going to pass it. With Josh Jacobs now as a running back, they could do anything, and he's going to yep. be effective. So kind of like that with the tight end position. And then our third tight end uh, coming from the active roster last year, Paul Butler, uh, who I think wasn't even activated until like December. Uh, but if you look at Paul, dude, this guy is a monster 6'6 250 pounds coming out of college and if you've seen pictures of him lately man he's just gone absolutely nuts man he's absolutely ripped dude seriously Uh, bro he looks huge (laughs) dude he's developed i mean tremendously man i can't even it's crazy if you haven't seen a picture of paul butler make sure you check it out um and unlike uh the, the two other guys we just talked about man um, I feel like Paul Butler is just kind of that that sleeper option that can do it all. Um, of course, Derek Carrier has the talent, but I feel like Paul Butler is kind of a sleeper candidate. Nobody's really talking about him, of course, besides that picture. Um, but I, he still has a ton to prove, man. We signed him as an undrafted free agent last year. We stashed him. We activated him. Um, and I think he's definitely geared up for some heavy competition in training camp, just like we talked about where, you know, these guys are competing for the 53. I expect us to keep maybe like three guys on the roster. Um, and I think there's a chance that Paul Butler comes away, uh, as one of them. Uh, but what do you, Chris, what do you think about the, the former California university of Pennsylvania tied in Paul Butler? I like Paul Butler. I thought he showed some promise in the preseason last year. Uh, you know, obviously he was playing against some of the second and third string guys. You, I believe EJ Manuel and Connor Cook were kind of his quarterbacks in those situations, but I thought he showed some abilities receiver as an inline blocker. He's an interesting guy, as you talked about. I mean, he's built. Uh, he's a total specimen. So 
Um, and, you know, Gruden, when he talked about cutting Lee Smith, you know, about the log jam, you said it, dude. I mean, this this tight end group, I mean, the, the dudes that come away on the final 53, um, it's going to be impressive because this is not an easy group to make the cut on. I mean, if they're going to keep three of these dudes, I mean, I, I could see situations and make cases for each one of these guys to be on mm-hmm. the roster yeah. and have a role. So um, I'm kind of trying to figure out who's going to get cut here. And, uh, you know, Paul Butler's one of the cheaper options. So I feel like that's also going to play into it. Derek Carrier, for example, is going to have to outplay Butler yeah. and, and other of these guys by a decent margin because otherwise money might come into it and they might, you know, cut Carrier even if he's slightly better because Paul Butler's so cheap. So yeah. I think Butler is a sleeper candidate like you talked about. Uh, but again, there's not a lot to go off of. So it's, it's just going to be an intense competition, dude. A preseason should be fun. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm finally, I didn't think I'd be excited to talk about tight ends, especially after skipping it. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time of waiting. And uh, yeah, we definitely got a good competition brewing. It's going to be one of my favorite positions to track. And of course, we added two guys into the mix. And just like you said, uh, we cut Lee Smith, unfortunately, was one of my favorite guys. Uh, not just because he's a, a lot of people look at, oh, well, look at his production. He couldn't catch the ball type deal, man. He was a team player. He's in that locker room. Great guy. He will definitely be missed. Um, but we added another guy in here, Chris, from free agency. Not necessarily a splash, but more competition for these other three guys. Luke Wilson, uh, the former Seahawk, spent his last five years in Seattle, made himself known to be a very versatile role player. You know, he kind of stretched his wings out. He ran wide receiver routes, even took some snaps at fullback. Uh, Luke isn't going to come in here and fill the void left by Jared Cook that everyone thinks that, you know, we're trying to do. Um, heck he's not even really a lock to make the team but I'm happy we brought him in to see what he can do we watched his career kind of slowly dwindle away um, you know you see uh, at least on his stat sheet uh, kept getting thinner and thinner over the years uh, so I think John's going to be squeezing any juice left uh, out of this guy out of Luke Wilson um, for camp this year but Chris what do you think about Luke Wilson well he was in Seattle I thought where he you know, obviously he played for Detroit last year, but previous to that he played in Seattle in, in a run-heavy offense um, where they had a lot of heavy formations, you know, trying to run the football and use play action with Russell Wilson. He's a guy who has inline blocking ability, and he's also flashed some receiving moments as well uh, where he mm-hmm. had some big catches for the Seahawks. So I, I feel like he's a complete tight end. Um, definitely the, the age part, I mean, he's 29. That probably works against him a little bit. Again, kind of like the Derek Carrier situation with the – the money um, and, the, and the age that the tie is going to go to the younger, cheaper players. So Luke Wilson's going to have to really prove that he's a step ahead of some of these younger guys that are cheaper. Uh, but he's a do-it-all tight end, and you know another guy that I would feel comfortable with to to fill a lot of the things that John Gruden's going to ask out of the position this year. And then it's regarding Lee Smith, you brought him up. I have to say, not many tight ends would uh, you know army crawl naked for their quarterback <laughs> just to protect him. Through and, broken you know, glass, you go right? back to the situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The broken glass. How did I forget that? Thank you, Cody. <laughs> Bam, dude. And then, you know, obviously with the whole ridiculous stuff that came up, questioning Derek Carr last year, Lee Smith called an interview, stood up there in front of the reporters, and let everyone know what the real truth was, was that it was all ridiculous, that Derek Carr is a great leader for this team. And I, I so appreciated that he did that. So to me, he's more than just a tough dude. He looks like he's should be in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, he, uh, he's a guy that that was a great teammate, and he respected and defended our quarterback. 
And and dude, bro, three straight games with a touchdown. He's a red zone yeah. machine. So I'm <laughs> wishing Lee Smith the absolute best going forward. And whatever team gets him, they're getting a leader, man. I love that stat. Was it three three games in a row? Three catches, like five yards, three touchdowns. It's like the greatest thing, man. <laughs> He's a fantasy dream, dude. He'll get you those six points, bro. On that Just one slip yard in touchdown. a six. Slip in a six point one real yeah. quick. Yes, sir, man. And the final addition this offseason, Chris, was the LSU tight end, Foster Morrow. Um, and he was the highest drafted LSU tight end since 1994 when Harold Bishop was selected in the third round. Um, a guy that's kind of the traditional tight end and one of the draft prospects who was actually expecting to be drafted by the Raiders uh, after I guess he had dinner with the Raiders tight end coach. And my staff MVP last year, if you remember that, Chris, Frank Smith. Um, he's not necessarily the best route runner, doesn't have that explosion at the top of deep routes, but he's has enough versatility as a blocker to, I think, be smart and very effective as a short yardage pass catcher. And I can't say this enough. That's exactly what we need. We don't need a Jared Cook, um, who was the only player that could really open up the field last year. Uh, we just need a good versatile tight end who can come up um, and open up those options at that position. Like, I can't say it enough, man. We added AB. We added Tyrell. We added a guy like even J.J. Nelson. They're going to go in there. They're going to stretch the field. They're going to limit the role of no matter who is the tight end. Um, but I think either way, Foster has a great chance of winning the starting job at some point throughout the year. Um, and I think he has just a, just the right amount of receiving talent uh, to make Raiders fans happy. Chris, you've been digging on Foster a little bit. What do you think about him, man? Well, obviously, uh, you know, you, you said it with the Frank Smith thing. Uh, Gruden did the call, right? The, you know, the moment that John Gruden called uh, Foster Moreau to let him know the Raiders were going to draft him. Raiders.com film crew, they do a great job with mm -hmm. that. It's always fun to watch those. But he was calling Frank Smith his agent. And, you know, basically that just lets me know that, you know, he uh, the Raiders tight ends coach was just pounding the table for this yeah. guy. And I didn't watch any of his film pre-draft. And I have not been more pleased but to watch a dude just maul people. Um, you know, you, you look at LSU's run game, they, they, they run the ball a lot. And, and Foster Moreau spent a ton of time as an inline blocker. And some of his best games were games where he had one catch for nine yards, one catch for 15 yards. And the reason for that was is because he was setting a tone on the line of scrimmage. Um, what I came away was the dude – will pop you and he will drive you until the whistle. There's one play where he literally drives the defender all the way back through the whistle and knocks over the referee because he shoves the dude um, over who then pile drives the, <laughs> the referee down on the ground. It's a hilarious play, but just continually, just play after play, full effort from this guy. And then you look at the receiving ability, you look at his numbers, oh, like, you know, last couple of years, 20-some catches, you know, less than 300 yards. But that's not a basically like the fact that he can't catch yeah. they just didn't have him run a lot of routes exactly. he was staying in as an inline blocker a ton uh the, the amount of routes he ran i mean i'm just surprised he actually had 20 some catches each year because <laughs> uh you know, he, and they even split him out wide a few times but almost just as a decoy but uh you know i thought he displayed in his rare opportunities really good hands um, I loved how he'd, he'd catch it and he would make DBs pay. He'd put his pads down and he'd slam yeah. into them and, you know, bust for a few more yards. Really tough physical player, uh, 6'4", 250 plus. I think he's definitely right now, the fact that the Raiders took him in the fourth round and from what I've seen on film, I would say that he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, they've 
invested a decent draft capital in a tight end that's not a, you know, big time, you know, yardage like a Noah Fant guy. You know, obviously he's had a ton of receiving production. He's worthy of a first round pick, but for an inline blocker like that to be taken in the fourth round, they obviously saw what I saw and more. Um, they're much more knowledgeable than I am, but I definitely feel like he's a Gruden type player. He's going to fit in this offense. And the rest of the guys that are in this log jam um, definitely are going to know Foster Moreau real quick, man. I feel like he's, uh, if I was to bet today, I would say that Foster Moreau will get more snaps than any of these guys in 2019. It's just a guess, but if I had to put my money on it, that's what I'd say. I love it. I love it, Chris. I'm going to go ahead and throw one more thing on top of that. Uh, I've said this before. I'm not the biggest fan of player comparisons, but sometimes I just can't help myself, dude. Whenever I see a six foot four white guy donning the number 87 jersey, I don't think of Jared Cook. No, no, sir, man. This is our modern day Dave Casper, Chris, the ghost, yes, ghost of the post, man, the holy <laughs> roller, man. I, I'm giving Foster some big shoes to fill here, of course, comparing him to a guy that spent eight years with us you know you know he what do you accumulate like over three thousand yards over 30 something touchdowns um but i'm setting the bar i think exactly where i want it man give me an offensive attack with ab tyrell williams hunter renfro and dave casper boom raiders are back Uh, baby dude i love that bro i love that dude another good thing about foster he's 21 yeah. So, you know, a lot of these guys that are drafted 22, 23, even 24 times, this dude's 21 years old. So, I mean, he's just grown into his big old specimen, man, body <laughs> he has, man. And, and he has, I believe, an untapped receiving ability to go along with his RDA. I feel like the hard part is establishing that toughness inside, right? A lot of these guys come out, they've caught a lot of balls, they need to be taught the physicality of the game. I feel like Foster is going to translate into a guy that's successful in the trenches already. And he has the athleticism in the hands to be a receiver. He just a little raw in the route running department. I feel like Mm -hmm. if they just tune that up a little bit, he can be a complete tight end for this uh, Oakland Raiders offense for the next X amount of years. So I love it, man. I love your comparison, dude. Shoot for the stars, bro. I'm with you. I got some high hopes for Foster, man. And, of course, we still have our last guy here, uh, our last tight end in the group, Cannon Smith from Clemson. We hit on him a little bit last week already. Uh, just that guy, I mean, he, he's got to compete for that spot. I kind of see him more. My expectations are kind of just like stash him on the practice squad, see if he develops into something later down the road for us. Uh, pretty much exactly what you've talked about, bringing a young guy and see what he does. Um, but, yeah, Cannon Smith, Chris, do you have any opinion on Cannon? Man, I'll tell you what, uh, Cannon Smith looks like a mean dude. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I haven't got to watch a, uh, too much film on him. Um, but, you know, he's another Clemson dude, right? We're the Clemson Raiders, so why not bring yeah. another guy aboard? <laughs> And uh, he looks mean. And I tell you what, man, if he finds himself on the practice squad this year, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, And if he were to somehow make the roster, that would be like one of the more impressive things with the amount of talent they have right now on the tight end. Yeah, it would be very impressive, but it would be a huge win for him to get on the practice squad. And, you know, hopefully no one would snatch him up from there. But uh, (laughs) yeah, man, it would be cool to, to bring him. You know, obviously he's having a huge weekend this weekend rookie yep. camp it's a big time for him right now so hopefully he's uh he's showing out uh for for the youngsters man and chris our, our phone calls have been rolling again we got him fired up i think that steelers fan a few weeks ago got these got raider nation fired up again we had some phone calls i got two this week a couple pretty good ones too uh let's go ahead and give them a listen and see what they have to say 
Cody. This is Ian calling in from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I got a question for you guys. With all the talk about uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, maybe coming out of retirement with the Isaiah Crowell injury, the news just dropped today about his Achilles tear and that Marshawn would be willing to come back. Uh, there's also been a lot of talk, you know, Marquette King clearly wants to come back to the Raiders. He made an apology note, a couple, you know, tweets about it. Uh, he seems remorseful. He wants to come back to the Raiders. If you had to pick one to have back for next year, I'm not saying anything about the future after that, but if you have to pick one for having back next year, would you rather have King or Beast Mode? Mm. Thanks for uh, thanks for answering the question. As always, go Raiders. Hmm. Okay. First, you want to take this one, or you want me to take this one? Well, what's it gonna be? Let's talk about it a little bit here, man. Um, looking at Beast Mode returning, possibly returning, should I say? Um, obviously after the Achilles tear, it seemed like the corresponding move was bringing back Doug Martin. That was kind of the okay, he's gone. Let's bring back in right. Doug. There was some sort of uh, contract complication going on there. Um, but we made it work. We brought him back in, whatever it was. Doug must have had a little bit of leverage, obviously, uh, to make things work. Um, but now whenever you talk about beast mode, I kind of start thinking we're not going to, you know, bringing in this rookie, we're not going to keep both Doug and Marshawn. So if at some point maybe the Raiders want to bring him in and have a little bit of competition and see if Marshawn is actually okay with, because I don't see beast mode taken necessarily an easy backseat to the rookie but obviously i think that would have to be the deal um but you know whenever whenever you compare obviously um doug carried the ball probably almost twice as much as marshawn ended up last year uh carried that they carried the same average as like a 4.2 uh yards per carry um and receiving was about the same thing man um not not a huge role uh they both kind of played the, the same person of course different style so i don't really want to don't really want to compare him uh, in that sense, um, but I'm kind of looking at the guy who's going to rookie or who's going to rookie, who's going to mentor our rookie Josh Jacobs the most, um, and I think that's just another win-win situation, man. They're both kind of talk less, do more type players, exactly uh, how Josh Jacobs is. Um, although you can't really compare any running back to Marshawn's effort, um, I wouldn't be disappointed to see Josh try and learn behind him, um, or even. Even Doug, I mean, the same thing, man, uh, formerly known as the Muscle Hamster Dude. Uh, both these guys, uh, great running backs, uh, great role models. Um, I think their their uh, production's pretty similar. It just kind of depends on which which way I think the Raiders want to go. Um, but bringing back a, a hard-running Oakland native that uh, has, like, shoot, I mean, what, a, a dozen playoff games under his belt? I'm all for it, man. Uh, I'm all for it. But, Chris, what do you, what do you think, man? Uh, what do you think about bringing Marshawn back? Well, first of all, with the question, would I rather have Marshawn or would I rather have Marquette King? Uh, yeah. I'd rather have Marshawn Lynch, yeah, 24-7, yeah. 365. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, you, maybe you just skip because it's just an obvious answer, right? <laughs> um, appreciate the call, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, the, the thing about it is when I really step back, right, because there's the emotional part of me that no matter what the role is, I just want to see Marshawn in the silver and black again. Um, there's nothing quite like that dude wearing the Raider helmet, dude. I, I mean, with the, with the wearing the number 24, I know obviously Jonathan Abram, that's mm -hmm. his number now, but it's another Arshon thing, just yeah. looks sick in a Raider uniform. Um, yep. but when I step back and look at it, Marshawn's not going to come back and make very little money. Okay. Yeah. Marshawn's a businessman. Okay. He values his health. He knows the type of runner he is, even if it's in a, 
limited role. You're still, you know, working extremely hard in the weight room. You're dedicating your, you know, life to it. Tons of problems. He's not just going to half-ass that, right? So, and it only takes um, one hit to. Yeah, and it only takes one hit, right? So I think Marshawn probably has a certain price, and I think when the reports come out that Marshawn's interested in coming back, I think he's probably interested in coming back and being a red running back. But I think that he knows that his worth, and I feel like he wants to come back and make five or six million, or you know, uh, something like that, and that's completely respectable. But the 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 bottom line is the Raiders drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round. And they clearly, when Crowell went down, they went out and they got a guy that was familiar in the system that's probably a heck of a lot cheaper and Doug Martin. And I would be very, very surprised in all reality if Marshawn Lynch plays for the Raiders again. I would be very surprised. Uh, I would think that a situation would, you know, knock on wood, I would hate it, but, you know, maybe Josh Jacobs goes down or something like that and some freak injury, which would be terrible. But other than a dire circumstance like that, I think the Raiders have moved on. As sad as that makes me, I hope I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I hope Marshawn comes back and they work out a deal and he just gets a few carries a game and pulls over some dudes. And But I just, I would be very surprised if Marshawn Lynch uh, is a Raider. And in regards to Marquette King, I mean, he's a really good punter when he's mentally locked in, right? There's no doubt about that. He's one of the better punters in the NFL, to be honest. But the the fact remains is that he trolled John Gruden pretty yeah. hard. Yeah. I mean, he beat the Raiders in Denver, and then he made that he had that video already prepared. Yeah. Uh, but right when John Gruden was being hired, he went on NFL Network and he pretended to like barely know who John Gruden was. Like, oh, that's the Monday Night Football guy, and he was wearing like a crown and everything, like he was some drastic. Like John Gruden doesn't like that crap. No, like, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like he and he doesn't like being disrespected like that. Um, as cool of a personality as he has, I don't think he was a fan of any of it. And I, I don't think John Gruden is going to consider Marquette King for one second, dude. It's cool. I would be cool with it. it, it you know, they made up and apologized, and yeah. John Gruden forgave him because at the end of the day, I wasn't happy with a lot of the things that Johnny Townsend did with his punts last year. Yeah, exactly. No doubt, yeah. Marquette King has more talent than Johnny Townsend, but I don't think Gruden's going to even consider it. Man. What do you yeah, think, bro? Uh, I'm not trying to take the, the stage no. here. I just I feel like it's going to be a no for both for me. I agree. Talking from a what the Raiders would do perspective, I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, there's just, to me, too much that happened after. Um, and, and I understand everybody's trying to say, you know, now he's, he's compassionate. He apologized on Twitter. Um, I think he was on another Raiders podcast, and he came on, had an interview, and explained things that were happening. But for the most part, to me, I mean, why wouldn't he act that way? Of course, I get it. You know, uh, tough times uh grow a person but you know what not collecting that nfl paycheck too is gonna put you into some desperate times if he's not getting any phone calls um of course he's kind of going into a last ditch and you know why not call his his former team that he already has tattooed on his leg and uh, call them and see that they have a very poor punting situation and see if they'll take him back don't think it happens if it does great obviously they'd be on good terms it's not going to happen uh for bad blood but I completely agree. And we got one last phone call this week, Chris. Let's take it and see what they have to say. What's up, Raider Nation? This is your boy, Garrett, calling out of Jersey. What's up? I had a call with a question for you guys. So the news just dropped that Cole Miller is going to be at left tackle, and our guy Trent's going to be at right tackle, making the money that he's making. 
Do you guys think that that is solid, like written in stone for the whole season? Do you think they'll make a swap? And with Marshawn in the question, do you guys think that he'll be playing alongside my boy Josh Jacobs, or would Josh Jacobs be taking a starting role and they all say on like third down? Everybody, peace out. Better nation. Great call, man. I think that was a first-time caller. Yeah. Um, uh, whew, I'll just hit that last question real quick since we kind of just covered it. Um, for Marshawn's sake, uh, given a a, 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 a role-type player, I think that's in his best interest, just like you hit on Chris. Um, he, he's going to be very weary of his health if he's going to play one last season in the NFL. And drafting Josh Jacobs with fresh legs, um, we're, I th- I, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to unleash this rookie as much as we can. Um, you, you hear some press right. conference tidbits here and there that he has to win that starting job, you know, whatever it is. But we don't have another running back that could be, you yeah. know, starting caliber. So it's just kind of that that same old, you know, it's the, it's the That's classic. That's just coach talk, man. John Gruden tactics. Talk, yeah. yeah. Doesn't want to hand things. it all to him per se, but they invested a first round picking him. I'm with you, Cody. He's, exactly. he's the guy. Exactly. So now let's go back to the first question. Uh, left tackle, right tackle. Of course, they did name. Uh, we'll go through kind of uh, the press conference where John Gruden listed Colton Miller as the left tackle, space Trent Brown as the right tackle. We're keeping Gabe Jackson as right guard. And of course, you know, uh, our anchor at center uh, does not need to be named and leaving left guard kind of open up in the air. Of course, the Denzel good guys like Lester cotton coming in. Um, but the big controversy is making Trent Brown, the highest paid tackle in the league and playing him at right tackle. Now um, my opinion on this, I would say is I don't care how much the tackle is making. Guess what? This might be news to some people, but people rush the passer off of both sides of the ball, not just the left side. And offensive plays can start from either the right side or the left side whenever it comes to a quarterback's reads. Um, so maybe Antonio Brown is lined up on the left side. That's Derek Carr's first read. Guessed, guess what the blind side is. It's going to be the right side now. Um, so for the most part, whenever I'm looking at the decision made, left tackle, right tackle, um, I'm seeing it as which player is more comfortable playing where and where this coaching staff wants them. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, who's on who. If Von Miller is going to line up on the right side, I'm cool with Trent Brown being there, man. Um, I, I'm for it. Chris, what's your opinion on this left tackle, right tackle situation? I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, I went into this whole situation saying from the beginning I thought that Trent Brown would play right, that Colton would play left, and that Brandon Parker would be the swing tackle for depth. Yep. And that's how it worked out. Obviously, everything's fluid. Things could change. But I feel like the it comes down to Colton Miller is the most comfortable on the left side. I know people talk about that he played right tackle at UCLA before playing his last season at left tackle. He even said himself he's a lot more comfortable on the left side. So I think Trent Brown's equally as comfortable on either side. He has some good moments in San Francisco playing right tackle. I understand he played left uh, for New England and had the good moments in the playoffs. But I think that they're in the spots that best suit the the Raiders personnel and, and comfort level as you, you spoke of. And in the AFC West, dude, I mean, we got Joey Bosa on one side, Melvin Ingram on the other, we got Tom Ollie on one side, Frank Clark on the other. And then on, against the Broncos, we got Vaughn Miller and they got Vic Fangio as their coach now. So they're going to be bringing pressure from both sides. Uh, so, man, dude, yep. give me a break. Uh, yeah. That's six games already out of the 16 uh, regular season games that we have scheduled 
where they're gonna we're gonna have enormous pressure coming from both sides. So yeah, this whole thing. I mean, we watched Brandon Parker last year. Nothing against the dude. He was thrust into the spot. He was raw. He probably shouldn't have been playing that many snaps and relied upon. But obviously, there was a lot of circumstances that led to that. But we saw how a right tackle can literally blow up a game plan yeah. and put the Raiders in a position where they're not in a game really quickly, right? Uh, you know, so I know the value. We should all know as Raider fans the value of having good tackles on both sides. Number two, man, this is, like you said, I mean, uh, Ted Wynn spoke a little bit of it too. When when Derek's read is to one side, he's looking that way. Colton's in his view, and the right side's not in his view, and that is kind of his blind side. So you make a point there. And also, this isn't the traditional, you know, NFL of 10, 20 years ago where it's, you know, they're in shotgun a lot. I mean, Derek is in the gun. He drops back quite a bit. So really not a lot of it is blindside, to be honest, until he steps up and is ready to make his throw. So I think this whole thing is way overblown. Uh, The fact that the Raiders paid a... Uh, a left tackle money for a right tackle. What are they doing? You know, I mean, well, they invested a first round pick in Colton Miller. That's serious yeah. draft capital. So you could say, why would you spend a, the 15th overall pick on a right tackle? I understand he's not making as much money as Trent Brown, but still that's pretty heavy draft capital that you invested. You passed up on players like Derwin James, right? So, I mean, it, this whole thing is so yeah uh, overblown. I think the Raiders are making the right decision for the personnel they have and their comfort level as you spoke on. So I agree with you uh, in short. <laughs> Good stuff. And actually we'll touch back on uh, Hayden actually hit on this in our interview. Um, we got him out of free agency, man. You get any player out of free agency, you're going to overpay for him a little bit. And all we did was just, you know, maybe a little bit overpay for a player to protect our quarterback. I don't care what side he plays on. Just play good and do your job. You're right, bro. And dude, Derek Carr's a pocket basser. Okay. He, you know, we, he's not Michael Vick. We've talked about this. I think I've said that example like 500 times. He's not Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's a pocket passer. So we got to give him time in the pocket to scan the field and make the throws. So if we're, you know, don't invest in Trent Brown, what are we doing at right tackle? Are we going to just put some dude out there that we've, like right Parker. tackle has just been an evolved, <laughs> yeah, or an evolving door. Are we going to rely on Brandon Parker again? Are we going to go out and sign a dude that like Veldeer, you know, are we really yeah, going to roll yeah. with that? Or are we going to uh, invest with the money? We had money. What do people care? We had a ton of cap space. Let them spend it, even if it's a little above market. And they're a four and twelve team last year. You know, they're not twelve and four. People aren't going to take a discount to come over here. So, and and also Hayden hit on another good point, is that they can get out of the deal yeah, in a couple years if yeah. Trent Brown isn't living up to the bills. So, dude, I think it was a good move, and I'm glad yeah. they brought him in. Derek Carr needs time in the pocket. I think they're going to give it to him. I think he's going to ball the F out this year. Yeah, as a good buddy of mine, Kevin, would say, uh, just trust Gruden Mayock. Trust the process, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good friend of yours? A good friend of mine, man. Good friend. We don't follow each other, but he's a good friend of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got him blocked. Big surprise there. Oh, oh. uh, so he's a good friend of yours, too. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Hey. So we got – Coming in hot again, Kenny King. I think he's feeling a little bit rejuvenated this week. Uh, he, he's been he's been on a roll, man, since the draft. Uh, a, lot, a lot of haters are starting to disappear all of a sudden, and uh, they think they can go into hiding. You think uh, you think you're slick with that back pedal? Nah, you ain't slick. The King still has you in his sights. Let's get him on the phone, man. Yeah, let's do it. And hey, if if anyone wants real talk all week, follow Kenny King on Twitter. If you're not already, because <laughs> you can get it every day. All day long, man. He's you hilarious. Know, 
we actually got a, a special uh, episode coming up here in maybe about a month, a little, a little over a month. It's going to be a real talk episode. We'll have a few guests coming on. Uh, most of the time, you know, it, it, it's 75% football content, 25% real talk. Uh, this one, I think this, the script's going to flip a little bit, man. Uh, the majority of the show is going to be real talk. So, uh, yeah, plug in for the rest of the show and uh, stay tuned for more to come. Let's get Kenny on the phone. My dogs, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? What's hey, up? What up, brother? <laughs> Man, it's been a wild week, ain't it? Dude, I'm telling you. Stuff's still been popping off, man. And I'll tell you, we opened this thing up, man. We're about to call you. I was telling Chris, dude, what is up with all these analysts all of a sudden? They just want to backpedal on everything they're saying before the draft? What's up with that, dude? Well, you know the first four letters in analyst is anal. So um, <laughs> that's probably like the biggest thing. Is you got a bunch of assholes talking on talking on stuff that they've never done before in their life. The only, I mean, you got, you got Dan Jeremiah, who's now giving us an A plus grade. You've got, um, you got Colin Coward saying who, saying everything is good. Everything is great. Um, you got Nate Burleson, who's basically giving the Raiders the biggest praise that, that he's given. I mean, he, seriously, like the guy's like a fluffer on a porn site. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't have said anything if, if Darren, said that he, we would take him off the list but Darren said he's still on the list so okay we got to keep we got to keep rolling with it but but dog Kyle Brent did you see that shit I thought he was uh, one of the good ones bro I'm I'm disappointed <laughs> I mean yeah, he's, I one he's, one disappointed. he's one of the good looking ones I guess I mean him and him and Tanner Tolbert are the you know the uh the bachelor in days of our lives so these guys now think that they can go from a soap opera and a reality TV show and they can talk about football and just because they have a pretty smile and they can get the girls to, to watch TV, that, that that's going to work? I mean, come on, man. You got you got Kay Adams who's sitting right next to you and she's way more qualified than you. Yep. Hey, man. This ain't, get out of Chicago, Ooh. Kyle, man. This ain't, this ain't the real world no more. Welcome to football. You actually got to know what you're talking about, man. MTV ain't going to chop you up. I would say that you have to know what you're talking about, but you look at all these talking heads on there and they definitely don't know what they're talking about. You got Stephen A. Smith who's still spitting hot garbage out of his mouth. You got Max Helen Kellerman who's farting on TV. You've got... Tanner Tolbert, who's who's handing out the final rose and he's getting axed. Oh my, the Tanner <laughs> guy, dude. Oh yeah, I mean, Look, come my on, wife, dog. my wife loves The Bachelor, so she's probably going to be a little sad. But dude, that dude can go to damn paradise and get the hell out of my mentions with the NFL, bro, because he has no idea what he's talking about. Talking about the Raiders, about he's like the Raiders basically traded Khalil Mack for. You know, Jonathan Abram or uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, and they traded Amari Cooper for Jonathan Abram. When, you know, uh, the Raiders got two first-round picks, and then also there's a money difference, so it's not at all like they just traded them one for one. Exactly. Well, well, here's the funny part is he said that they essentially – Got Clellan Farrell at four. No, we actually did get we him. Actually, at four. essentially <laughs> didn't. Yeah. So, so learn learn the English language that you're speaking. You're you're spewing out first and foremost. But then at the same time, with the money that we saved and with with the money that we saved for Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack, we got Antonio Brown, we got Trent Brown, we got Vontez Perfect, we got Brandon Marshall, we got Lamarcus Joyner, we got uh shoot, we got Ryan Grant, we got JJ Nelson. I mean, the list goes on and on. We got Doug Martin back. We got Isaiah Crowell, even though he just blew out his Achilles. 
And then we drafted Josh Jacobs, who, guess what? Now that we need a running back, we've got a running back that we drafted in the first round, and he was a top-rated running back in the draft. So shut up! Dude, why are you giving this guy the time of your day, King, dude? Look, how... Essentially, man, essentially, right? That, that's his famous word, right? That's essentially, the, the essentially, 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 MTV had to pay 20 women to come on TV and act like they like him, right? Essentially, essentially, maybe MTV should come over to his Twitter page and pay people to actually like his football opinion. That's what I, I say. essentially heard that through my wife that he's actually wasn't even the bachelor. He was one of the 20 some odd men trying to win a girl. Oh, oh, oh so he got bad and he got oh. cut. And then he went on the uh, this paradise show and he met. Hey, I got to give him props. She's a she's a fine looking lady and he scored her somehow. But uh, he certainly didn't score with his football takes. I'll tell you that. Much. That's Look, so I'm much worse. You, I'm going to tell you like this. First, essentially. First and foremost, Rachel, I'm essentially sorry that I had to essentially just dump on Tanner Tolbert. But I will say this. Uh, the only bachelor that I will allow to talk about football, and I won't really allow him to talk that much because he played for the Chiefs, is Aaron Murray. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, Colton, yeah. Colton Underwood was the bachelor, and he was on the Raiders practice squad. I'm cool with That's him. True. That's true. Colton, yeah, Colton's the Colton's new. Yay! And he hopped over a fence. Yeah, yeah, he showed that athleticism, bro. That's the yeah. physical tools there, man. You know what I mean? He's got he's got the vertical there. He's got the strength. I saw it. You, so. you see the bend as he goes around the corner, <laughs> yeah. uh, jumping over that fence. <laughs> Whatever, man. You still I mean, keep hey, our uh, name out your mouth, man. We're still talking about the Bachelor mouth. right now, guys. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, get back to football. It's all Tanner Tolbert's fault, man. So. Evacuate, well, it's evacuate. Gonna, it's going to get worse. It's going to get the worse. Bachelor, the Bachelor <laughs> Cody podcast. Uh, goodness we're, we're, gracious. <laughs> Code red, go, code red. We're, uh, abort, abort. Essentially, we have to abort this mission. <laughs> Pulling the plug. Pulling the plug here in a second. Kenny, get us back on track, man. What's going on, essentially? All right, well, get, getting us back on track. Essentially, uh, I had to bring up a tweet from our boy A-Train, uh, who, who oh, no. essentially, essentially is getting us back on track. Um, he told me that, that Kyle Brandt had some hot takes, saying that Josh Jacobs was picked too high. Uh, Jonathan mm. Abram was proving himself to be picked too early. Uh, Clellan Farrell was picked was was uh, was a reach. Vontez Perfect is an idiot. Antonio Brown is a locker room problem. Mm. So let me let me just uh, as as Pusha T said in the story of Added On, I'm gonna peel it back layer by layer like an onion. Yeah. <laughs> Antonio Brown has been one of the best teammates that, that Derek Carr has had since 2014 when he was drafted. I have never seen a receiver working out with our quarterback, Derek Carr, as much as Antonio Brown does. The closest that we had to that was when Michael Crabtree was a Raider and he, him and Carr used to work out, but it's nowhere, nowhere to where it is now. Vontez Perfect. I haven't heard his name said in a negative light since he got signed. Now, granted, it is the offseason, and granted, we just started OTAs. But you know what? I really feel that him being reunited with Paul Gunther and him being a, known to be a leader in this defense, I think that he is taking on a different role, and he's eager and he's hungry to show that he is a different person, and he wants to be that intense player, but he's going to be smarter about it. Now, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen on the field, and you know, if I, if I have to eat crow, then I'll eat crow, but uh, let's keep going. Uh, Jonathan Abram. 
The guy was given 24 by John Gruden. Mm-hmm. The number 24 has been highly regarded in the Raider in the Raider in the Raider franchise. Sacred. Marshawn Lynch. Sacred, exactly. Marshawn Lynch, Willie Brown, Charles Woodson, and the GOAT, Michael Huff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. uh, No, I was just going to say in regards to the Vontez Perfect thing, I guarantee Kyle Brandt wouldn't. I guess you you said he called him an idiot. I guarantee if Vontez was on the show or face to face, he probably would use a different choice of words. Am I not right? (laughs) For the record, I don't think if any one of those people on the list was face to face with him, I don't think he'd ever. Is this the definition of a blue check marked? Uh, keyboard warrior. I mean, he's just gonna sit here and pick on a oh. bunch of football athletes. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's put it this way, guys. I, you know, I, I changed my uh, my my uh, Avi to to me as Thanos because I am coming out here for a snap and I'm taking these check marks. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, and, man. <laughs> Essentially. What I don't like, bro, about that is that like I want all these dudes to like be successful, right? And obviously, I want the Raiders to win. I want everyone else to not right. do well, but. I don't want them to like go where they're going to go and have problems. Like, are we really rooting against all these people like that? I think that's trash of Kyle Brandt to say that stuff. I thought he was one of the good ones, like I said, but looking at it from a negative mentality like that, that's just being a hater. And uh, he's just getting himself on the Did he say anything about Derek Carr? Because if not, uh oh. No, he actually. Okay. Yeah, he actually, he likes, he likes Derek Carr. I remember uh, last season. Um, he did have he did pick Derek Carr to be the dark horse MVP candidate. So All right. uh, he does he does like Carr. He does have okay. a little bit of good in him. But but here's the thing: so he's not I mean, on Darren's list. Then so he's on the little list, the little side list. He's on a the, different the, list. He's on the back oh, side of it. My, you calling my list little? No, no, oh, no. I'm Cody. saying he's on the on the back of the <laughs> list. He's on the back of the list. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my notepad out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Bron- your list. Bronco Brandt on the list. About it. You write really big, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I write really. You should see. You should see Bronco Brandt. I, I got a. I got a Bronco Brandt on a poster board, and it's. It, I got it just ready for week one. I'm about to bring Whatever, it to the game with man. me. They're gonna put it on TV. It's gonna be at Bronco Brandt. Uh, <laughs> check this list. It's gonna be right next to the guy that goes one, two, three, first down. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Bronco Brand. You cross it out with uh, your your list. You cross him out with lipstick, like the guy on Billy Madison, or do you got a different <laughs> method? Yeah, I spent a little bit more on the lipstick. Uh, I okay. actually high quality. I use my wife's. I still I still her Mac lipstick. I blame it on my daughter. So uh, yeah, don't don't say nothing. This isn't going to be aired, you, right? That's how you spend your That's how you spend your Saturdays. I got you. I respect it. So hey, I will know. not crop out that. Okay. Yeah, no, keep it going. Keep it going. Kenny Kenny's an attractive guy. So. <laughs> I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got, Kenny? What do you got, Kenny? Cute guy. Essentially, flip the page. What, what, what do you got, man? Turn the page. Who we got next, man? All right, man. We're going to go down this list, and we're going to – I'm not done with Kyle Brandt, man. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Done. Back it up. I like, back it up. I like this guy, dog. Don't put a leash on the king, Cody. <laughs> I used to like this guy. I used to think that he was one of the good ones. I used to think that he was a good dude. He used to be my homie. He used to be my ace. Now I want to slap the taste out of his mouth. He's over here talking about the Raiders, talking about things that he doesn't know, talking just because he's a – isn't he a Chicago fan? So, of course, of course he's going to sit there and, 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 and ride him. So, anyways, let's get down to the brass tacks on this because he, he still went and said – Glenn Farrell was a huge reach. Okay, why? Why was he a huge reach? Because Montez Sweat was there? Because Josh Allen was there? Guess what? That doesn't fit our system. Anyways, next. 
Jason Cole, dog. Come on, man. What are you talking about? You want to sit there and talk about the same thing, saying that saying that we we messed up because we took we didn't take Montez Sweat. Well, guess what? We had a need. We had drafted a defensive end. We had drafted a high character guy. We had drafted a guy who was brought in and was 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 tested on the relocation questionnaire. Who was a guy who was a high character guy, a guy who comes from winning championship team a guy who has a coach who is highly regarded a 93 million dollar a year coach and by the way how come nobody's questioning Dabo Sweeney's contract yet they're criticizing Gruden's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a but, different game I guess in college so I guess I guess it's a different game in college when you don't pay your players right yet you have the best prospects that are going into the league Ooh. it makes absolutely no sense to me I have video of Kenny right now. His hair is on fire. <laughs> and I don't even have hair. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> That's what I meant. Cody Correction. changed that to his head is on fire. <laughs> my beard. My I was beard not intending to troll. Yes, I was not intending to troll. Not right now, especially in real talk. Kenny's on Kenny's on fire right now. I'm not trying to get on a list, bro. No, but, uh, you're didn't good. Jason didn't Jason Cole uh he's the one that said the Raiders messed up paying Trent Brown to be a right tackle. Right. So let's so break. What do you got on that, Kenny? So they messed up by paying Trent Bound to be a right tackle. Okay, why? Because Von Miller, Joey Bosa, uh, Frank Clark, and almost every other major pass rusher in the AFC West, even Melgram, even Melvin Ingram at times, rush the right tackle. They rush on the left side, so they're coming on that side. So they're. Why would you not put your best tackle against the best pass rusher? Don't you realize that we have the best pass rushers in the league in our division? Yes, Colton Miller's a left tackle. He's going to protect Cars Blindside. He showed last year that he can handle Nick Chubb. He showed last year that he can handle Miles Garrett. So why would you not want to keep him there? Why would you want to change him in his in his second year, coming off an injury, to to go into a new scheme where we're changing the blocking scheme apparently to to go into something that he doesn't know? The guy's a left tackle. He's going to play left tackle. Trent Brown, is he's a journeyman, so he can play left or right. He's better at right right now. When we play when we play the, when we play the Bears, Khalil Mack is going to be rushing from the left side. Who would you rather have on Khalil Mack? Colton Miller or Trent Brown? Yeah, yeah, and I've also heard a comparison. It was actually a, a follower on Twitter, London Raider, kind of pointed out. Uh, not necessarily... I don't know how this applies to modern-day John Gruden offenses, but he pointed out the fact uh, that that's kind of a, a, a typical John Gruden trait, uh, even like a Lincoln Kennedy piling the big guy right. on the right side because a lot of plays roll out to the right, and they want the big dude to go in there and push him around, move that move that defensive line back. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a good point, man. And, and you know what? I'm spot on with you, Kenny. I hit on this earlier, dude. And, and at some point you got to look at – just like you said, not only are the top pass rushers rushing off their left side, our right side, but you know what? They rush off of both sides. I don't care who is playing right. where, whoever's more comfortable, wherever the coaching staff thinks they fit best, freaking play them there. I don't care. Quit looking at their contract. Let's look at how many care. sacks they're going to give up. How about that? I don't care what side it's from. Here, let's look at this. Let's look at this real quick. You have Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown. 
all run to the right. On, all run to the right. <laughs> run to the right. You got Derek Carr just trotting behind him. <laughs> I, I mean, can hear. I, I can hear the radio call now. And Josh Jacobs with another power run to the right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, bro. When Madden comes out, I'm running HB blast to the right, dude, with the tight end stack there, Every and I'm running time. behind Hudson. Gabe and Trent Brown and the tight end all day, dude. So halfback sweep, five yards, five yards at a time, baby. And hot take, and hot take. Alec Ingold leading that way. Oh yeah, I'm here for this. I'm I'm with you on that, dude. I think Keith Smith's in trouble. I, I, I mean, he didn't have a stellar year last year, and he's getting paid like a high end tight end or a high end fullback. So I think he's in trouble. I think Ingold's coming for some jobs, bro. Wait, are you talking about Alec Ingold, uh, Don in the number forty five? My uh, my white Marcel Reese. You, you pulling yeah, for? Yeah, I like that. Pull, <laughs> by the way, dude, that was good. Man. That, was, uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> no, you know, like, I... uh, eighty nine uh, Amari with a smile. Amari <laughs> with a smile. <laughs> I haven't seen Amari smile that big since he got out of Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> serious, man. Serious, man. Kenny, gosh dang, man. Kenny, have you hit the bottom of your list, man? How how long is this dang list, man? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a crazy freaking week. I wouldn't expect if you had four or five more pages. You say you saving some for next episode? I am saving some for next episode. This list just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it. And obviously, as the season progresses, there's gonna be names that are gonna be on that list. And I've been bookmarking things on Twitter, and I've been going through my timeline. I've been trying to, I've been trying to not respond to a lot of things, but I'm gonna keep responding because that's just how I roll. And if the king, if the king doesn't respond, then you might want to watch out because you have made the list. Well, Kenny, I'm going to give you one last response here to give me. There's been a lot of analysts like we talked about, man. These guys, all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about the haters still. They're coming out of the woodworks. They're talking about our draft. They're trying to pick apart whatever they can. You know what? Because we're probably the only team that they can talk about with three first-round draft picks, right? But what are you going to what are you gonna tell these guys? Who are you going to tell the analysts, the ones that, that came out firing as Raider haters coming out of the offseason, but the ones that are backpedaling? Ones that are backpedaling, trying to run now. They're trying to run because they see that the Raiders are back. What do you have to say to these folks, Kenny? Well, the Raiders are, Raiders are going to keep rolling. We're like a steam train. We don't stop. And when you see us and you start backpedaling and you're out there looking like Greedy Williams when you're when you're going against a receiver, guess what? We've <laughs> already beat you. So you could take what you said. You could shot it up real nice. You could stick it up your Rudy Poop candy ass because that's what the king is cooking. So, boom. Like I said, man, the king was coming in hot. This was a good show. We covered a position group that I kind of was looking forward to a little bit, but didn't expect uh, the competition to be heating up that much. It was definitely a lot to talk about. We had a great interview with Hayden over there at the Silver and Black today. Uh, Make sure you check out his stuff. I think he's frequently on their pod as well. Uh, But overall, Chris, good show. We're a little over a week away, or should I say a week after the draft um how you feeling about us man chris how are you doing on this uh empty stretch now leading up to the preseason man honestly it's still exciting though like the rookie camp i love like getting the information and the pictures what's going on there with the competition before you know it like otas are going to be you know kicking up ramping up with some mini camps eventually and so i feel uh i feel like it's really not an empty stretch i feel really excited like i'm getting new raider info every day so uh, I'm just looking forward to 2019, though, man. I I just can't wait for week one. I, I'm just excited that the Raiders are going to turn a page here, bro. 
Yeah, and before we start talking about the 53, uh, pretty soon now we're going to start talking about the 90-man roster. I'm interested to see how the Raiders button it up. I think we're a little over 100 players on the on the roster now, counting uh, some tryouts and whatnot. Uh, so we got to narrow that sucker down to 90 before camp starts. But besides that, Chris, uh, for anyone that wants to get involved, uh, you heard the call-ins if you've made it this far. Um, I expect that you like our show, so I want to see you get involved. Call into our hotline. That's 808 808- 650-7220 if you're a first-time listener uh don't know where you're listening from make sure you tune into our uh, or check out our website that's raidercody.com has all the links and information that you'll need uh, but like i said get more involved i want to hear from you uh you're what makes our show keep going it's all about the listener uh so let's keep this thing rolling and chris until next week man we'll see you guys later later nation <laughs>